0: Hi, everybody, welcome back to Vox Tablet. I'm your host, Sarah Ivry. Today, it's my great pleasure to introduce the creators of Israel Story. About six months ago, a couple of eager 30 somethings from Israel stopped by our offices to tell us about a project they've been working on. It's an Israeli radio program called Sipur Yisraeli, or Israel Story, which they freely admit is a worshipful knockoff of the public radio program This American Life. Their first season aired last summer on Galei Tzahal, Israel's leading radio station, and was a huge hit. Season two starts on August 23rd. Now, Sipur Yisraeli is in Hebrew. The reason the guys came to talk to us was to see if we'd be interested in a mini-season of the show, six episodes, in English. We gave a listen to their work, and truly, it was a no-brainer. The stories are smart, they're surprising, they're suspenseful, and they are supremely entertaining. I have loved what I've heard so far. The guys have been working hard ever since, and I'm delighted to announce that Israel's story is now ready for you to enjoy. Beginning next week, we'll air one episode a month. But for this week, we want to let the Israel Story team introduce themselves and tell you a little bit more about the show. So, joining us today are Mishi Harman, Yochai Metal, Shai Satran, and Roe Gilron. Welcome, gentlemen. So, as I understand it, up until about a year or two ago, none of you guys worked in radio. In fact, Mishi. You're speaking with us from your home in Madison, Wisconsin, where you're working on a PhD in history. How is it that you came to be involved in producing one of the most popular shows on the radio in Israel? Well, the four of us are actually um, childhood friends.
1: We grew up together in the youth movement, and um, in the army, we all went to different units. And after the army, Roy and I came to uh, to the states to go to college. and And Roy was this uh, was this huge this American life fan, and I always used to laugh at him a little bit. I thought that that podcasting was was sort of this huge nerd fest or something, and. Um, Uh, A few years later, I was about to go on a, uh, on a huge uh, road trip, uh, a 13,000 mile road trip with my dog Nomi across America. And being a good friend, Roy downloaded a whole bunch of this American Life episodes to my phone so I would, so I wouldn't get bored on the way. And um, I started listening to them and and, and it was phenomenal. And, And somewhere in the middle of America, and I think it was in mississippi or something it just dawned on me that this was going to be our next big project because there wasn't anything even remotely similar to this in israel and uh israelis are such a nation of storytellers so this would be a great idea to create an israeli this american life the only problem was we didn't know a single thing about radio uh roy you wanna you wanna take it from there
2: so um And then we kind of decided that we have to, uh, you know, make this thing happen. So we had a meeting at Mishi's apartment, and uh, I I used to go running with Yochai at the time, and, uh, you know, I knew that he was kind of into writing and stuff. I said, why don't you come with me? And uh, in the last minute, we had to kind of move the meeting. So we moved it to Shai's house because he's just a good friend. And just by chance, that's how we all ended up working on this project. And um, as we kind of started making our first episode, we kind of tried to reach out to people who know more about making uh, radio. And, I mean, I, I'm, I'm currently getting my Ph.D. in neuroscience, and, you know, Shai is about to become a clinical psychologist, so we really don't have a background in this. Shai is the only classically trained um, writer uh, of the group. And uh, we, th- we heard through the grapevine that Nancy Updike uh, is actually living in Israel. Nancy Updike that's one of the original producers of This American Life. And we just wrote her an email out of the blue. And she was just so gracious, you know, with her time. She just let us know what it was like for her to start this American life and just how they go about their craft.
3: Yeah, it it took us, uh, I mean, it took us a long time, maybe like a year and a half to sort of formulate uh, our first pilot episode. Um, And then uh, we sort of uh, um, saw ambushed Yaron Dekel, who is the... Uh, chief of uh, the uh, army radio station, one of the biggest radio stations uh, in Israel, and um, we sort of pushed these uh, our two pilot episodes on him, and we're like, "Listen to this. This is great. Uh, you've you've never heard something like this. It's different from anything else that's being done on, on radio right now." Uh, and somehow, miraculously, he sort of passed it on to somebody who passed it on to somebody, and that somebody was listened to it and was like, "Wow, this is this is great." And uh, they called us in for the meeting. We sort of came. We didn't know what to expect. We thought maybe they're going to want to put us in the middle of the night or something like that. Those were like our wildest dreams. And they were like, hey, guys, why don't we, we love it? Why don't we, why don't we run with this? And they gave us a prime time slot. And uh, now we're working on a second season.
0: That's awesome. Well, why, do, why has this show been so popular in Israel? Do Israelis know about this American life?
2: Well there's this is where we there there, are, there aren't really uh, shows like this in Israel I mean 90% of what you hear on Israel is kind of uh, talk shows and there are only two major radio stations in the country it kind of sounds outdated you know one's owned by the government and the other's by and the other is owned by the army but um <laughs> it really sounds funny saying that but but it's the truth and there isn't uh, um a tradition of kind of podcasts, like there is in America, with these great radio shows. There are also podcasts like This American Life and Radiolab or The Moth and Snap Judgment. Like that whole scene just hasn't really uh, come here yet. And I think that the same thing that appeals to people in the states about those kinds of shows and that way of telling stories is exactly the thing that that appeals to people here. And I think another element of it is that is Israel is kind of a very Labeling society. You you just by living here. When you look at someone walking at you across the street, you know a lot about them just by the way they look. You know where they're coming from. If they speak, you know. You kind of can put them in a box. And when you hear people on the radio, you don't have that uh, first reaction. That 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 initial kind of judgment. And you're hearing their story, and you're able to to connect to people's stories. I feel in a way that maybe is harder to do when you're when you when you see the person and you can put your presupposed judgments upon them.
0: What made you want to make an English language version of this show?
1: Um, it always seems to me that Israel is portrayed abroad in one of two pretty unidimensional kind of ways. Either it's a place of violence and conflict and wars, as is pretty topical now, unfortunately, or, you know, as Israel advocacy groups would have it, it's a Middle Eastern Silicon Valley, a technological haven, a a startup nation. And and it always seemed to me that like neither of those two characterizations really captured or caught the Israel that I love and that I grew up in, which is intricate and complicated and full of stories and different backgrounds and pluralistic and that's the Israel that we wanted to bring to people who don't speak Hebrew to sort of complicate the Israeli story
0: and and give it more more nuance so now you're making this English version you're going to introduce it to an English speaking audience but how does that actually happen you're not dubbing over the Hebrew are you
3: um, this is uh, Yochai. Actually, it's, it's an interesting process. I mean, uh, uh, when we decide to take a story in Hebrew and translate it, first of all, our, we, we rather not dub anybody. We rather, if people can, as much as people can could talk English and sort of uh, express themselves, we, we rather them do that um, themselves. Uh, so we, we go back to the people, we ask them to, to listen to the story again in Hebrew, and then we sort of uh, basically redo the interview. It's Actually, it's a lot like doing the story. All over again, um, except there are, of course, uh, some shortcuts mainly that mainly have to do with the fact that we've just done a whole lot of thinking about, uh, you know, how to build the story up and, uh, you know, and what the story means and all these kind of things that are usually passed passed on to the English version.
0: Let me ask you, in going back to interview subjects and re-interviewing uh, them, have you learned new things about their story?
4: This is uh, is shy. OK. Uh, and and I think it's a it's a really interesting uh, point you make because you, you know a lot is lost in translation but some things are also kind of found in translation I guess and th- the move over to English I I have uh, one story that I previously recorded in Hebrew it's an Israeli composer who is uh, was involved in in a quite a serious car accident and is now uh, in New York City and can't return to Israel that's kind of a spoiler so. Uh, but in Hebrew, that kind of barely came up, and I don't know why that is. It might be because it was the initial meeting between us, but I visited her again a few years later, and we had the same discussion in English, and uh, it became a much more uh, discussed issue. I think she was uh, more open about it, and also it uh, features uh, in uh, in the piece that we ended up uh, recording, which it didn't in the, in the Hebrew version. And I think in, in general kind of the, the change of language kind of brought different things to light. I don't know if I can put my finger on it exactly, but it w- was definitely interesting.
3: There are definite uh, differences in uh, English uh, and Hebrew versions. I mean, it's not just like a literal translation. For one thing, uh, usually the English stories are a bit longer because
4: Hebrew is such a concise language. Everything is very short in Hebrew. And I also, I don't know, in general, this is shy again, I think taking people out of their comfort zone sometimes does interesting things. Someone has to speak a different language... Sometimes you you get the feeling that the words are kind of uh, there's a thoughtfulness that goes into the into the speech when it's not your your kind of uh, your native tongue. I don't know. I, this might be a little off, but uh, I think it's it's there sometimes in Israel as well.
0: I imagine there were some stories uh, from Sipur Yisraeli that simply can't be translated into English.
3: Uh, yeah, this is Yochai again. So. Yeah, obviously there are there are some examples like our our epi- one of the episodes we did in our first season we called it Twenty uh, Four Hours at the Pancake House, uh, which is kind of a, an homage to uh, one of our favorite uh, This American Life episodes, Twenty uh, Four Hours at the Golden Apple. And so, uh, kind of like what they did with with the Chicago Diner, we went to a a twenty twenty four hour pancake house in Israel and met all kinds of uh, you know different different characters, and uh, it's very different from a diner you would imagine in America. I mean, you can. You can order a, a, a hummus, you know, or a chili con carne or, a, of course, a pancake with cheese and all kinds of weird mm-hmm. toppings. And a lot of small stories there that are just too hard to translate. We wouldn't do an episode like that full of, uh, you know, just uh, dubbing or something.
0: The first episode that we're going to air next week is called Faking It. I'd love it if one of you could tell us a little bit about it. Just give us a sneak preview.
1: Yeah. So in this episode, we have three different stories of people faking it in completely different ways. And one of them is um, a guy called Moshe Shapira, a Russian Jew who came to the Holy Land in the mid-19th century. And that was exactly when the craze for biblical archaeology began. And Shapira was a really shrewd businessman and he, he realized that actually it was easier to make biblical archaeology than it was to find it. Um, so I'm not going to give away the whole story, but I'll just say that 130 years later, the Shapira affair, as this whole saga was called, um, continues to occupy the minds and imaginations of many, many Israelis who, um, who are trying to figure out who this man was and whether his artifacts were real or fake or maybe both. And one of them who we'll hear right now is is a guy called Micha Shagrir, who's a filmmaker from Jerusalem, who, as you'll hear, is completely obsessed with Shapira.
2: I'm following for many, many years. I am like a secret detective. Every day... I think about him, or I do something that is related to, the, uh, to his story. I go with him everywhere, and he is with me in the archives, in the libraries, in Europe, in Israel, in Australia.
0: What were the most popular stories of the first season in Israel?
1: One of our most popular stories is the story of Enid slash Chaya, who lives in Tzfat in northern Israel and is probably one of the most inspiring women that I've ever met, actually. And um, all I'll say now is that she is from Long Island and moved from Alaska with her Catholic husband, Stan, to Tzfat, She's the mother of 10, five of whom have Down syndrome. And believe it or not, that is not the craziest twist of this story.
0: And we'll be hearing Chaya's story on Israel's story.
1: Yes, yes, of course we will. Another
3: uh, very popular story that's actually very close to my heart is the story about uh, Ikalo, who's an Eritrean refugee and uh, a good friend of mine. And actually, it's a very special story for me because it was the first radio piece I ever did. Um, this is a guy who um, was one of the smartest people in Eritrea. He was like, among the very like, elite uh, group of uh, students in high school. And he had to flee Eritrea after writing a, writing a critical letter to the, to the, to the newspaper. Um, and just one day he picked, he picked up, not telling goodbye to any of his family or anything like that, and just, uh, just uh, flew to uh, Ethiopia. And he found himself in a refugee camp in Ethiopia. And uh, there wasn't much to do. So he would just uh, sit around in, this, uh, in the library of this NGO and uh, one of the books was this collection of autobiographies and in there he uh, found the diary of Anne Frank. And uh, he, I remember how he told, me, he, t- he told me this. He was just like reading the, the diary and, re- and he was really into it. He really like felt this connection to, to Anne Frank but he was expecting the the story to end well because how else would we have the diary, you know? Just a sort of common sense. And when he got to the end and he found out, you know, what happened to Anne Frank, he was just so devastated and he basically was crying for, for a day almost. And then he just started translating the, the book to Tigrinia, um, his home language, because he thought it would talk to other people. Um, this is just sort of the beginning of Ikalo's story. And from there we kind of go with uh, on this sort of journey, very complicated journey to Israel, a journey that still still continues for Ikalo today.
0: Wow. I look forward to listening to that one. Um, As you mentioned before, uh, the past few weeks have been very tumultuous in Israel, and the conflict uh, in Gaza has fueled debate both internally and internationally. Has the war had any impact on you as you try to get this show out?
2: Well, I think that, if anything, it kind of lends it a sense of urgency because usually in times like this anywhere in the world, it's kind of a very— polarizing uh, moment. You know, people kind of rally around uh, a certain point of view. And I think the one of the central uh, pillars of our show is that it really is about kind of bringing a pluralistic and kind of um, uh, multifaceted point of view to um, what's going on uh, here. So our show, I think, is, um, you know, relevant in this atmosphere. I'll just say that, for, that it, it ha- definitely has impacted on
3: a very practical level. Uh, for example, uh, we, we are, we're doing a story for, for an episode in Hebrew now that uh, Sa'id uh, Kishua wrote, and we were looking for an Arab uh, actor to, to uh, narrate the story, and it was just almost impossible. We went through uh, lots of different actors, and, and nobody just wanted to you know get involved in this mm. right, because of the situation. Eventually, I found uh, Adib Jashan, who is the founder of the, um, the, the Arab, Arab Jewish theater. Arab Jewish theater in uh, Jaffa, and he was amazing. He told me, you know, I'm, I'm, I, if it wasn't for the war, I wouldn't come, but because of the war, I'm coming. Because he said, uh, there's no more important time to do things together than now, and uh, so that's why I'm coming to to re- record this for you, even though I, I'm, I have uh, some criticism towards the text. So I was actually very touched by that. But it definitely complicates things.
0: Guys, I have one more question for you. Uh, I wonder, does Ira Glass, that's Ira Glass of This American Life, does he know what you're up to?
4: No, please don't uh, tell him. (laughs) 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 This should really not get to him. Your secret's (laughs) safe.
1: No, seriously, they they, they totally know. And they've been a huge help to us from the beginning.
0: Mishi, Yochai, Roi, and Shai, thank you all so much for speaking with us today.
1: Thanks so much
3: for having thank us. Thank you, sir. Our pleasure.
0: Sipor Israeli is produced by Mishi Harman, Yochai Metal, Roi Gilron, and Shai Satran. The first episode of Israel Story, the English version, will premiere on Vox Tablet next Monday. Do not miss it. For more information on the show, and for those of you who want to check it out in Hebrew, come to our website, tabletmag.com. We've got all the links. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm your host, Sarah Ivry. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us again next time.